Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. God spoke to me in the middle of the night, and God said to me, faith is the key. I was praying, I said, Lord, what do we need to do as the church? What do we need to do? And God reminded me, he said, Wayne, in the beginning of the year, I gave you what to do. I said, focus, focus. And so these things that's going on in, uh, in America and going on in our city, many times what they become are distractions when you're a believer. Not that they're not important. Not that there's not an urgency about the time that we're living in. But you can't let those things distract you. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And so God said, faith is the key. And so today, I hope you brought a pen and some paper uh, because today, class is in session. I would like for you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I was laying in my bed sleep, and God began to speak to me. Hebrews 11, verse 6. I, I can see Hebrews 11, verse 6 with my eyes closed. I can hear the scripture speaking to me. And I knew God was speaking. And I'm going to ask you to stand today as we read the word of God. Faith is the key. Before we read, turn to your neighbor and say, faith is the key. Faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father, we thank you Thank you for your word right now. Thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven. We thank you, Lord God, that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that you speak. And every word that you speak is full of faith and full of power. We thank you right now, Lord God, as we receive your word. I declare that our ears are open to hear, God. Our eyes are open to see. And we thank you right now as your word is being deposited into our hearts right now as a seed and it will come forth as fruit in Jesus mighty name amen and amen you may be seated we need faith and we need faith to make it in this hour that we are living in we need faith today that is rooted in God not faith in the government, not faith in your family, not faith in your job, not faith in your paycheck or your savings account. We need a faith that is in God, a faith that is unmovable, a faith that is unshakable, a faith that can't be swayed by the affairs of this life. We need faith. Somebody say faith. faith. 
In fact, you can't please God without it. Now, we spent a lot of time trying to please people. As children, we try to please our parents. As teenagers, we try to please our friends. As adults, we try to please our employers because we want that bonus. And before you say, I don't try to please anybody, I want you to know that I know that most of you in here are like addicts. I didn't say like an addict. I said you are like addicts. Because while I'm standing here preaching, you've been sitting in that pew there and you checked your Facebook page five times already to see who has checked like for the last post that you have put up because you are like junkies. Uh-huh. We like to please people. Yes, we do. But we need to really work on pleasing God. Somebody say amen. amen. We have to please him. And the only way that you please God is by faith. So when you read that, that you have to please God by faith, the question then now becomes, what is faith? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go up to Hebrews 11, verse 1. In the same chapter, we're just going up a a few floors. He says this in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I read a, a... a a definition of faith that says this, faith gives way to the substance or the matter for which you are hoping for. He said faith is the substance. Substance is matter. Faith gives way to the substance or the matter for what you are hoping for. Four. So in order to first of all have faith, you got to have hope. But you can't just hope haphazardly. You can't just be hoping for somebody else's spouse. <laughs> you can't just be hoping that you win the lottery. Oh my God. Because your hope has to be rightly placed. Come on now. And so, and I know most of you probably wishing you were winning that one million, one billion dollar lottery, but, but that is not hope that's going to have faith produce something for you. Come on, because it's against God's will for you to gamble your money away. But I know that that's not none of you because you're all sanctified. Amen. But if you did win the lottery, call me. (laughs) 
So you have to hope in what is the will of God. See, faith, your faith will not work if your hope is not scriptural. So what do you do? You have to hope in the promises of God. You have to hope in the promises of God. Well, where did we get that? That's in 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. Let's go there and look at it. 2 Peter 1, 3 Verse, and verse 4 says this, according as his divine power have given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So he's already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. So he's already given you everything that pertains to this life and godliness. But it comes through the knowledge of him. I hope you get that. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Somebody say promises. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Somebody say promises again. Now, what are promises? Promises. Promises is a declaration that something will or will not be done or given by one. It's an assurance on which expectation, hope, somebody say hope, is to be based. So your hope has to be based and have a foundation in the promises of God in order for faith to give way to the substance of your hope. Oh my goodness. I hope you're getting this because we're going somewhere today. Promises. It's a declaration. It's a declaration of something that will be done or given. Now, what, there was a guy, there was this guy named Everett Storms. And Everett Storms, is a, a, he's a Canadian school teacher. And he kept a record of all the promises of God. And they said on his 27th reading of the entire Bible, he said that he had found 7,487 promises of God to man. 7,000 promises. Listen, God is trying to get you something. And it's in the promises of God. That's why it is important to read the word of God. It's important for you to study the word of God because a lot of times we try to base our hope in something that God has not even said. But if you get in the word of God and start to read the promises of God, then you have a, a, a place to base your hope and a place for your foundation to form the substance of what you are hoping for. The foundation of your hope must be 
the promises of God. Now, I was laying in my bed, and I was sleeping. And I'm sleeping at, 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 because it was Friday night, which for me, uh, you know, I work third shift, so usually I sleep during the day. But I had this, I'm sleeping on Friday night, and I was all comfortable, and God began to speak to me, Hebrews 11. And uh, so I'm laying in the bed, and then God starts to speak. And so I get up to start to see what God was saying. He does that sometimes, just disturbs my good sleep. But that's all right. He can do that. And so he said, you need faith. You need faith. And you need faith to win. You need faith to win. And so faith to win. Say faith to win. I told you this is school because you're going to have to participate with me. Hebrews 11 and 2. It says this, for by it the elders obtain a good report. Now that word obtain, say obtain. Obtain means to receive, to recover, to seize, to take, to capture, to get a hold of. To grab a hold of. It also means to affirm one that one has experienced something that he knows it by divine revelation or inspiration. So when it says the elders here, the elders uh, written here, they lived during the time in history when there was no such thing as Christianity. We know this because uh, in other translations, it says the ancient ones. And so there was no Christianity in the world. The world was buried in a pantheon of false gods. It was the time when the Bible speaks of, says that the world was, all that it was in the world was wickedness and evil continual. But during that time, there were certain people, people like Noah, that while the world was going to hell in a handbasket, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the sight of God. Because this is what he did. He fought to be righteous in an unrighteous world. The elders in that day, they had to seize, they had to capture, they had to grab a hold of a good report. It didn't come easy. They had to fight for it. And if you are going to have a good report in this day that we are living in in 2022, you are going to have to fight for it. See, God, listen, listen, God is not going to shut up all of the strip joints in the city because you have an issue with lust. See, if you drive by one, you're going to have to plead the blood of Jesus over your eyes and over your mind and take hold of the steering wheel and keep on driving. You're going to have to fight. God is not going to supernaturally shut down all the drug dealers in your city so that your child will not be tempted. You're going to have to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and trust that when they are old, they will not depart from God. And then you're going to have to have faith that God can keep them. 
Come on. God, listen, listen, the sickness that you have, the disease that you're dealing with, the aches and pains that you got, they're not going to magically just disappear. Come on. You must go after your healing. You got to, you got to fight for your healing. Yes, Jesus provided it 2,000 years ago. Yes, he did. I'm not arguing with that. Uh, yes, you do have to just receive what he already did. But you got to know there's a devil that's not trying to let go of your misery and your discomfort and your disease. He's not trying to let go of it. You're going to have to by faith declare that by his stripes I am healed. And you got to do it by faith. You got to fight for it. Why? Because you got to do it when you don't feel like you're healed. You got to do it when people are speaking doubt and unbelief. You got to claim by faith that God has healed you and you got to have a word of God and you got to do it and you got to speak it even when the doctors are speaking contrary to what you know in your heart to be true. You're going to have to say, I am the healed of the Lord. You're going to have to say, I believe the report of the Lord and the report of the Lord says that they are healed. For every bad report, you've got to declare a good report. you got to declare a good report over your body. You have to declare a good report over your children. You have to declare a good report over your husband. You have to declare a good report over your wife. You have to declare a good report over your finances. You have to declare a good report over your future. Paul said that we fight the good fight of faith. But the way you fight the good fight of faith is you have to declare a good report. I wish somebody I wish I had half a church. Come on. You have to have faith to win. Not only do you need faith to win, you need faith to win back. (laughs) And you find that in Hebrews 11 and 3. He said this. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear by faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, that word world there means cosmos. It means universe. But it's interesting that in the King James, that word world there also means forever. It also means an unbroken age. Also, the word framed. That word framed means to mend, to put in order, to make complete, to strengthen, to repair what has been broken. So I'm laying in my bed and God's speaking to me out of Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm just laying there and I'm, I'm listening and, I'm, and I'm, I'm making a mental note of what's being spoken to me out of the word. But then God spoke something to me that made me, made me rise up. It made me get up out of my, out of my bed. God began to speak to me. And, 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 and so I, I, I looked up the word world's. And that word also, it means forever, an unbroken age. And God spoke this to me. He said, 
Lucifer's, Lucifer's rebellion caused a fracture in eternity. I said, oh my God, I got up. I said, Lord, what you saying? He said, Lucifer's rebellion caused a fracture in eternity. Something was split when he rebelled in the kingdom of God. Something was ripped apart. Something was broken in eternity. And so then God began to speak to Because I said, well, what, the, what does that mean? What is that saying to us? And God said this. If, if I can fix what was ruptured in the heavens and I can repair what was broken in eternity, there's nothing in the earth and nothing broken in your life that I cannot restore. I came here to let you know that God can mend your broken heart. He can fix your broken marriage. He can restore your broken dreams. See, the reason that God can speak to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 58 and tell him that you'll be a repairer of the breach and a restorer of past to dwell in is because God was the first to be the repairer of the breach and the restorer of past to dwell in he was the first one to do it that's why he could tell Isaiah that he can do it and if God can do that and repair heaven and he can fix the breach that was in the eternity then there is nothing that he can't repair he can fix your broken family he can fix your broken finances he can fix your broken health he can fix broken relationships he can fix your broken future and your broken destiny God is a repairer of the breach and a restorer of past to dwell in there's nothing he can't redeem nothing he can't recoup nothing he can't reclaim nothing he can't recover he can restore anything in your life cause he is God Woo! <laughs> You need faith to win. And you need faith to win back. You not only need faith to win and faith to win back. He said you need faith to worship. You need faith to worship. Hebrews 11 and 4 says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which he obtained. There's that word obtained again. Say obtained. Witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Oh my God. To understand what he's saying in Hebrews 11, you have to go to Genesis chapter 4, where he tells, we tell the story of how Abel brings God a sacrifice. And he brings a sacrifice of the best that he had in his flock. Which, according to scripture, it was required of them as a sin offering because that's the only offering they could give at that time. It was a sin 
offering. It had to be an animal because God gave them the example where Adam and Eve fell. He slew an animal and, and wrapped them in animal skin, but he gave them the, the, uh, the example of a sin offering. And so Adam and Eve had taught Cain and Abel, Abel and Cain. They taught their children that you have to give God an animal sacrifice. And so Abel, the Bible says, he brings an animal sacrifice to God. But Cain, his brother, he, he brought an offering uh, of something that had been growing in his garden. Uh, he, he, he brought an offering to God. And the Bible says that God had respect unto Abel's sacrifice, but not unto Cain's, because Abel brought a more excellent sacrifice. But Cain, Cain brought his old salad sacrifice unto God, and God was not pleased. Abel gave his best. He gave a more excellent sacrifice. Abel's worship was greater in superiority and in quality than that of Cain. And, and it seems like in the church today, many Christians are satisfied giving God something in their sacrifice and in their worship that is convenient, that's common, and casual. Yeah, Cain worship. And I'm not talking about when you come into the house of worship and, and, and into the worship service to sing and to dance and to lift your hands and to cry. I'm not talking about that. Uh, uh, what I'm talking about uh, is real worship. See, all that is an expression of worship, but worship begins really in the heart. Worship begins in your attitude towards God. It starts with whether or not you show up for church when you feel like it and, or you don't. It starts uh, with whether or not church services are just an interference in your plans. It starts with uh, those that they come, but they show up late every service. <laughs> it starts with those that uh, who, you know, God needs you to help the ministry facilitate the needs of the people that we're trying to minister to, but you are too comfy in your pew, in your 23-inch seat to get up out of your seat to help minister to people, to those in the church. And those in the community. Y'all, somebody, you can say ouch. Yeah. <laughs> you come to church and you, but you, uh, you dress like you're going to the club. Mm -hmm. I know, I knew, I knew that was going, I knew that was going to rub some people the wrong way. Listen, I know, I know. Jesus said, come as you are, but he didn't say stay as you are. Come on, we, we have got to le learn to be, as Christians, modest in the house of God. 
I'm not saying you have to be wear clothes and be holier than thou, holier than anybody else. I'm not even saying you have to be like me, although you should. Button your, button your shirt all the way to the top. Amen. That's me. Oh, come on. So I'm not even saying you have to do that. I'm just saying be modest of how we dress in the house of God. Wear clothes that's not drawing attention. Drawing attention to your cleavage. Drawing attention to your front. Drawing attention to your back. Drawing it to, come on now. We have got to be modest in the house of God. And you should be modest not only in God's house, but anybody else's house for that matter. Give God your best. We, listen, we not, you're not coming in here to get a spouse. The only spouse we're trying to get up in here is Jesus. So you should be a person that's modest in the house of God. Give God your best. Plan ahead of time. Be early. Get involved. Serve. Be modest. Treat people right. Be respectful to everybody so that when you come in to lift your hands and you come in to sing and you come in to dance, that God can have respect towards your offering because you gave him a more excellent sacrifice. You need faith to worship. Not only do you need faith to worship, you need faith to change. You find this in Hebrews 11 and 5. Hebrews 11 and 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his, before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now that word translated there means to change the form, change condition, change nature, to move from one place, position, to another. We need faith to change. Now the reason you need faith to change is because the devil has convinced many of you that you'll always be the way you are. He has convinced you that you can't change that you'll always be sick you'll always be alone you'll always be broke you'll always be struggling to make ends meet that you'll always be in debt listen when the devil comes to you and he tells you what you will always be you have to know this about the devil if anybody's always it's the devil he's always lying the Bible says that Enoch had faith to change. Now, where do you find this at? He had faith to change. Well, you find this in Jude 14. Because remember, we spoke that you, you move by faith in either revelation or inspiration. Enoch had some revelation. Because when you go to Jude verse 14, Jude 14 says this, and Enoch also. The seventh from Adam prophesied of thee, saying, saying, the, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 saints. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, wasn't no scripture written, wasn't nobody preaching the gospel. He's the seventh from Adam. 
And he's telling everybody, behold, the Lord is coming with 10,000 saints. Enoch saw the coming of the Lord. Before it was even read about, he saw the coming of the Lord. I believe he saw the rapture. I believe that when he saw the coming of the Lord, that he also saw the saints, and he saw that their bodies were even changed, that they had their glorified bodies. Because if you're coming with God, come on now, somebody, that means that your body has been changed because this body here cannot cross over there. That's why we have funerals. Because this body goes back to the dust from which it came. Ugh, come on now. The real you goes over into the other side. And so Enoch, he sees this. He prophesies it. He prophetically sees the coming of the Lord. And I believe when he saw it, he said like Paul, wait a minute. You mean I'm going to be changed in a moment <laughs> in a twinkling of an eye? When he saw it, he said like Paul, he said, wait a minute, wait one minute. This mortal is going to put on immortality. And what Enoch decided to do, he decided, I'm not waiting for the rapture. I'm going to change right now. I'm going to get my glorified body right now. He began to speak what he saw and what he received by revelation. Do you know what has to take place in order for you to move from here to over there and, and not die? Everything in Enoch's body began to change, even down to his cellular makeup. It began to change so that his body can go over. And I believe Enoch just crossed over like somebody crossing the street. He said, I'm changing right now. I'm changing. I'm not the same as I was. The word of God, the faith of God began to rise up in him and he began to change. Huh. Enoch's faith began to change his natural to spiritual. And if Enoch's faith, who was not born again, Enoch's faith, who didn't have the spirit of God living on the inside of him, can change his natural to spiritual, then God can change by faith. You can change your natural to spiritual. You can change your family. You can change your finances. You can change your household. You can change your future. You can change your destiny. You can change your health. You can change it by faith. You can change your circumstance. You can change your situation. If Enoch did it, so can you. So, this brings us all the way back to verse 6. Because I asked God, I said, God, why didn't you put all that at the end and just go through the whole book of Hebrews chapter 11? Just go through that whole with all the people of faith. And, but God put it here for a reason. He get to 6, he said, but without faith, without faith, it is impossible uh, see, he didn't say that you can please God some of the time. He didn't say that you can please God on, an, on occasions. He said, without faith, it is impossible. 
impossible to please him. He said, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is rewarder them that diligently seek him. So I'm driving to work. I'm driving to work. And God speaks to me. He says, who's that scripture for? And I said, well, God, you know, that scripture is for the unbelievers who come to God. When you come to God, you must believe that, that we, we got to come to you. We must believe that you are in order, you know, to be saved. And God said, uh, yeah, but uh, I didn't write that to the unbelievers. I wrote it to the believers. Oh. I began to research it, and that cometh to God. <laughs> They that come to God, cometh is speaking to the believer. It is, cometh is the place of and for prayer. See, if you are, if you are unsaved and you begin to come to God, it's because you believe he exists. As a matter of fact, there are unbelievers that believe he exists. Yeah. You don't go to a lawyer unless you believe one exists. You don't go to a doctor unless you believe one exists. You don't go to the loan officer unless you believe one exists. So he's speaking here about the place of and for prayer. Well, you say, I already believe God exists. He said they that come to God must believe that he is. So now he's talking about the isness of God. The isness of God. Amen. That is a word. I made it up. Amen. The isness of God. See, when you come to God, you got to believe in not just that God exists. This is speaking about the personality of God. This is speaking about the attributes of God. See, you don't learn anything about anybody's personality unless you spend time with them. Yeah. He said, they that cometh to God. And so I'm driving and God speaking to me. And then God said, uh, God speaking to me about the personality of God and the isness of God. And, and so God says, you know, you, uh, there's many times, you know, you don't believe I exist. And I said, well, yes, I do. I'm arguing with God. I said, I believe you exist. But see, he's not talking about exist in knowing that he is there. <laughs> God said, how many times you get in the car and you drive, you just turn on music, I'm with you, but you don't speak to me. Ooh. <laughs> Let me tell you, I started repenting. <laughs> How many times you go in the house? Is you just you in the house? And, and, and it's you and God, but you don't speak to God. And so this is what we've done as Christians. We've kept God in the heavens. We, we kept God in the ethereal. We've got to take God out of the heavens and take him out of the ethereal. You got to know that God is with you right now. He said, I never leave you. I never forsake you. Behold, I'm with you. Always, always in the Greek means always. God is with you. He's with you when you go to the store. He's with you when you go to your job. He's with you when you go 
going to exercise. He's with you with whatever you're going to do. He's right there. How else can he say that I am going throughout the whole earth beholding the evil and the good? He can behold the evil and the good because it's right there with you. Nothing can be hidden. Everything is open before his eyes because he's right there with you. And if you would just start to acknowledge, God, I know I'm exercising, but I know you right here with me. You want to talk about anything, anything you got to say? Lord, I would get in my car and I would say, all right, Lord, this is the kind of day I had today. And then I'll say, well, how was your day, Lord? I will start to talk to God. People, I know they think I'm crazy, but I'm talking to God. And all of a sudden, I would talk to God about things like somebody would say something and that kind of, it would kind of move me the wrong way. And I say, well, Lord, they just said this. I know you heard it. I was standing, you were standing right there and moved me the wrong way. What was that? Why did I feel that way? And then all of a sudden I start to realize God started to speak to me. Oh my God, because he's right there. See, you don't get in a relationship. Oh, my God. Can I park right here for a moment? Can I put the car in park? In a relationship, you don't just come to somebody if you call them your friend. You don't come to them only when you want something. You don't come to them only when you need something. And most of our problem has been we only want to talk to God when there's trouble in our life, when there's problems going on, when we're in a situation. We're in some kind of circumstance or when we come in on Wednesday or come in on Sunday. But God said, I am the God of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Talk to me. Oh, my God. Come on. Talk to God. Talk to God. Uh, God, he said, they that cometh to me. Hallelujah. They that cometh unto me must believe. <laughs> believe that God is. And then he says, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. <laughs> he said, know that I am and know that I am a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now, if he says diligent, that lets you know that, you, uh, that there are casual seekers, okay? If he says be diligent, that means there are casual seekers. And so God is saying that you got to move past being a casual seeker and become a digital, diligent seeker. And he said, why? Because I am a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. When I looked this word of reward, rewarder in the King James, I got excited. He says, a rewarder is this, one who pays wages oh my god this is good news I said this is good news this is good news in a bad economy come on God said he is a rewarder he pays wages and God spoke to me and said listen if you seek me diligently I'll put you on my payroll you because a rewarder, one who pays wages, is somebody who's, who employs. To employ means this, to engage in the service of. 
to engage the attention of, to make use of an instrument, to occupy or devote time and energy. And God said to me, he said, listen, if you become more of a diligent seeker, he said, I will put you on my payroll. He said, I will engage you in my services. He said, what I'll do, he said, I'm going to do something in your life. He said, I'm going to engage in, in the attention. We gonna, Listen, God, if you are a diligent seeker, God will pay attention to you. Oh, somebody say amen. He said, I will make use of you as an instrument. I'll occupy and devote time to you, and God will devote energy to you if you become a diligent seeker. God said uh, many people, they're worried about the economy. They're worried about how they're going to pay their bills. They're worried about how they're going to make ends meet. And God said, if they became a diligent seeker, he said, I'll make sure the bills get paid. He said, if you become a diligent seeker, I'll make a way where there is no way. I wish somebody, I wish I had a half a church that got excited. He said, if you become a diligent seeker, he said, I'll open doors that have been shut. I'll shut doors that's been closed. He said, I'll speak to the heart of the king. I'll move things for you. He said, if you become a diligent seeker, do it. he said, I am a rewarder and I will reward you. But it starts with faith. So you say, how do I get faith? And I'm done. I want, I want the praise team to come and the, and the, and, and the band to come. And uh, uh, You can go ahead and stand on your feet because we're done. <laughs> so the question now then is this. Woo. Does anybody feel what I feel? My God. That's my mother, that's my mother saying hallelujah. All loud and carrying on. <laughs> uh, my mother and my sister came today. And so glad to have them this morning. Amen. Amen. I was going to talk about it, but I changed my message. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. The question now becomes, how do you get faith? All right. Now, let me tell you this. Don't pray for faith. It's not scriptural. It's not scriptural to pray for faith. I hear the silence in the room. He told us how you get faith. Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Your faith comes by hearing the word of God. See how it's all connected? Your hope has to be in the promises of God, which you get out of the word of God. Then faith comes by the word of God. It's all connected. God had reminded me, I'm going to say this real quick before we move on. Because what we're going to do today, was we're going to do an exercise in faith and in the word today before we leave. We're going to go out with the victory. Amen. God had reminded me how when I was young, I did this and didn't even realize it. 
I was right, it was right before uh, my freshman year in high school, uh, the summer of my eighth grade year, uh, ending the eighth grade year, going into high school, and I went into the hospital. I had a real bad asthma attack, and I went into the hospital. I got in there, and they said they had to keep me for a few days. I could not breathe. After being there for two days, I still could not breathe. I was struggling. And I have a Bible. And I began to read in my Bible. And I read in Peter where he said, by his stripes you were healed. And I read that. And I said, well, this says I'm already healed. And so I began to repeat what the Word says. I'm already healed. I just began to say it. I didn't know what I was doing. Excuse me. I, so after I started reading that word and just speaking it and saying it over and over, uh, listen, I still couldn't breathe. I still had trouble breathing, but I was repeating that word. I was speaking that word over and over. Still couldn't breathe. So I took a step of faith. I, I, listen, I, didn't, I was a young teenager. I didn't know what I was doing. I took a step of faith. Doctors that came by, they said, we're going to have to keep you a few more days. Your oxygen levels have not gotten better. And I said, well, I'm going home because I'm healed. I told the doctors that. They're looking at me like I'm crazy. So then, after they left the room, I did the unthinkable. I got on the phone and I called my dad. I said, Dad, come and get me. They're releasing me today because I'm healed. He didn't, heal that. he didn't hear that healed part. <laughs> my dad comes to the hospital. I'm still confessing. He comes to the hospital. I don't even know he's there at the time. I'm just confessing. And all of a sudden, I knew he was there because I could hear him cussing down the, down the hallway. <laughs> he was cussing because he couldn't believe that he came all the way to the hospital to pick me up because I said that I was healed and they said they were keeping me. Listen. <laughs> He is mad. Come on, these, these are days you had to use faith now. He, he got those penny rolls together to get some gas. Come on, <laughs> to go to the hospital and get me. He was mad because he used those penny rolls, which he was going to use to get some bread. To use it. He used gas to come and pick me up. Now, my, my mom is right here. She would let you know if I was lying. <laughs> so he could... He gets to the hospital. I can hear him down the hall. He cussing. He cussing out the nurses. <laughs> and so he's coming down the hall. And I closed my eyes because I knew I was about to get it. And I said, Bye. I said, I said, uh, that I, I'm healed. I'm healed by faith. I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. I just closed my eyes because I knew I was going to hear it. <laughs> So he comes in the room and he is fussing. He's fussing and carrying on. At this time, while he's fussing, it was almost like I blanked out. I'm, I'm focused. I'm focused on I'm healed. I had to focus on I'm healed because 
they have said contrary. He's saying contrary. And, and, and it looked like I just made a mess. So, I, so I'm focused on what I, what I said. And so at that time, right about the time, he's real riled up. The doctors come in and they're doing their rounds. And he's apologizing to the doctors because I had already started trying to get a little dressed. <laughs> he's apologizing to the doctors. And, and so the doctor said, yeah, I told him he, he has to stay because he's not doing better. Listen, up until that point, I cannot tell you. I can't tell you when I stopped wheezing. I can't even tell you when my breathing got better. It happened somewhere in there. I was focused on what the word said. And then the doctor came over. And he began, he, he began to check my breathing. And another, some of the other doctors came over and they checked my breathing. And the doctor said, well, he can go. <laughs> he can go. We don't hear a thing going on. By faith. It's by the word of God. You can have what you say when it lines up with the will and the word of God. Oh, my God. And it was an uncomfortable ride all the way home. <laughs> I'm in the backseat grinning, but he was stirred up. <laughs> so I felt led to do this today. I felt led to dismiss today with this. We're going to leave today declaring the Word of God. Anybody excited about it? Oh, yeah. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to say it and you're going to repeat it. But I want you to declare it with all your heart, your might, your soul, and your strength. I want you to declare the Word of God. And as you declare the Word of God, the Word is going to leap into your belly and leap into your heart and in your spirit. And as you declare what I'm declaring, when you do that, I'm telling you a change is going to take place. Are you ready? The Word of God, the Bible says, is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. By dividing asunder soul and spirit, it's able to go into the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus, that's why he can send his word. He didn't have to show up. He sent his word and it healed them because the word is powerful. He said, your word is powerful. Oh my God. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say it. You're going to repeat it. I want you to be loud. I want you to be boisterous. I want you to give the devil a headache. Hallelujah. Here we go. I am the body of Christ. And Satan has no hold on me. For I overcome evil with good. I am of God. And I have overcome Satan. 
For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Your word and your spirit they comfort me. I am far from oppression and it does not come near me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. My righteousness is of the Lord. Whatsoever I do will prosper. I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of the water. I am delivered from the evils of this present world. For it's the will of God concerning me. No evil will befall me. No plague can come nigh my dwelling. For the Lord has given his angels charge over me. I'm the apple of his eye. And they keep me in all my ways. I'm a doer of the word of God. I'm blessed in all my deeds. I take the shield of faith and quench every fiery dart that the wicked one brings against me. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore, I forbid any sickness or disease to come upon this body. Every disease, every germ, every virus that touches my body dies instantly. In the name of Jesus, every organ, every tissue of my body in the name of Jesus functions according to the perfection that God created into function and I forbid any malfunction in my body in the name of Jesus I am an overcomer I overcome blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Oh, come on somebody. Come on. Do you feel this right now? Ooh, I feel it. You're going to have what you say because you declare the word of God. I am submitted to God and the devil flees from me. Jesus, the Word of God is forever settled in the heavens. Therefore, I establish His Word upon the earth and in my life. Great is the peace of my 
children for they are taught of the Lord they are protected they are wealthy they are healthy they are anointed they are whole missing nothing nothing broken in the life of my children right now Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law and my God has supplied all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus I delight myself in the Lord and he gives me the desires of my heart I am out of debt now I have given and it is given unto me a good measure it's pressed down it's shaken together and it's running over men give into my bosom the spirit of truth abides in me and he teaches me all things he guides me in all truth i trust in the lord with all my heart and i don't lean to my own understanding in all my ways i acknowledge him and he directs my path the lord will perfect that that concerns me I have put off the old man and I have put on the new man I am a new creature in Christ Jesus I'm not conformed to this world but I am transformed by the renewing of my mind I'm born again of God I'm redeemed of the Lord I have overcoming faith and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I am complete in Christ Jesus victory you got the victory come on and give God a shout of praise you have what you say oh my God you are an overcomer you are more than a conqueror come on and bless the name of the Lord Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 